Hello and welcome to episode three of the Kelly podcast here on The Twelfth Man with myself, Adam Lyon, alongside Craig Mahood. It's been another difficult week for Kelly fans with a draw against Ross County and a late loss to St. Johnson on Saturday to talk through um, and a trip to Ibrooks to look forward to on uh, Saturday, which is always great as well. Uh, Craig, not been, a, not been a great week. To be a Kelly fan, another difficult week, and um, you know we were we were full of optimism after the Celtic game last weekend, but uh, it's kind of just nosedived a bit from there. It has indeed, yes. Um, I, th- I think we spoke last week, and when we had said that we were going to um, open up with the fixtures that we did and the results we got, um, we were optimistic, and on paper, we looked at Ross County who'd had a good start, not a bad start, but against teams that we ourselves would probably fancy to beat. And then St. Johnson at home, which was going to be our first three points of the season. There was no other way about it. Um, To come away from one point from those two games is bitterly disappointing, to put it lightly. (laughs) No, absolutely. I think... I think the, the the first thing we have to talk about, the main thing that's been the bugbear of Kelly fans for the past week or so has been the team selection and the fact that Alex Dyer has been sticking with the same team, with the three defensive midfielders and just the one striker uh, against Ross County and St. Johnson as well. You would think that, you know, being at home against St. Johnson who hadn't won a game yet this season, that he would go with, with two up top or just being slightly more attacking, trying to put some kind of number 10 in there, not having the three def- defensive midfielders. But he did go with that, and I think it quite rightly caused some you know, anger and some annoyance among Kelly fans. I would say so, yeah. Um, the the way that he set up at home to Celtic um, a week past on Sunday was perfect. Um, and he was rightly praised for how we were set up, um, how the team played. Everyone knew what they were doing. Even when we had, even the subs that came on, you know, everyone knew the game plan and stuck to it. And I just wonder if he's then thought, well, it's worked once, it'll work again. To go up to Ross County with a similar way of playing, you know, it's it's two completely different teams we were playing against. Um, To then come back to Rugby Park, as you said, home to St. Johnston, where I think I remember rightly someone saying we haven't they haven't beaten us for three years at Rugby Park. Um, to set up in the exact same way again was, you know, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. There's obviously reasons for it. Um, Brophy sitting on the bench. Um, if he's fit enough to be on the bench, you would think we could get a little bit of time from him. But you're right. You know, it's going again with the the three in midfield. Who to be honest, you know. It's, not their fault, you know. And again, probably three of our kind of better performers to put it in a way, but still to to set up that way, Holmes and Johnston, I think it just needs to show a little bit more flexibility with it. No, absolutely. Personally, for me, you know, the, the Ross County game setting up that was that way was fine because you know it's a hard place to go. Um, Ross County, as you say, were, were had a really good start to the season. They won their first two games. Um, so to set up that that way wasn't a problem, but the St. Johnson yeah. game absolutely was. You know, we're the home team we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be the ones that are going forward and, and trying to make things happen, not sitting back and, and you know, just sort of, you know, 
having this mentality where as long as you don't lose a goal, you know, we're okay, we're going to be fine. Um, yeah. In the end, you know, we got we got the first goal and and everything like that. We'll come on to we'll come on to the, the goals and the the mistakes in a bit. But over the two games, the main thing you would say is that the lack of a number ten really hurt us, or the lack of a a proper number ten. I know we had Greg Kilty um, on the bench, El McCready, but you know, just somebody we've talked about this to, to death. I think people like Greg Stewart and things like that. We need someone like that in there because there just there was no creativity quite a lot of the time when we went forward um, and it was left up to, to players like Tishbola and Aaron Power, Alan Power to to create chances when that's not really their job Yeah no, you're, you're right it's um, especially with the, the Ross County and that was the first time I've seen in a while that Alan Power then ran beyond Kabamba um, and he does have that in his game, but it's not his. That's not his strength. You know, it's, that's not why he plays every week and plays every minute that he can. Um, to to then be relying on balls up to Kabamba, which again, come back to it again, Celtic put the balls up there, play off him. It's perfect, but we can't keep doing that against these sort of teams and hope that we get scraps and hope that Burke's going to hit one in from forty yards or Pinnock's going to beat a couple of players and put one in. And as we've seen with Kabamba, it's a lack of goals. And as we said that, you know, before the Celtic game and after, looking through the team, there's not many goals in the team at all. Um, once you take Burke out it, there's very little, especially with Brophy being injured just now. But even still, if he's going to just keep playing with one up front and Kabamba and Brophy is a straight swap, then again, it's going to be... It's going to be a long season <laughs> if we're going to keep playing the same way. No, absolutely. Uh, on to the results from themselves from both games. The Ross County game, I don't, I don't think many people were, were bothered by the result there. You know, we were 1-0 behind, so to get back to 2-1 ahead was, was fantastic. And then to lose a late penalty, it was a bit contentious, but I think if you'd, if you'd said before the game, you know, we could, have gotten a, we could have got a draw up there after coming from behind, then I think people would have been pretty happy with that. But it was the St. Johnson game and the way that we sort of capitulated in that second half that was, you know, as the real worry for people, three individual mistakes from Ross Millen, from Aaron McGowan and from Stuart Finlay, of all people, um, basically throwing away the three points. What were, you, what were your takes on, on those incidents and basically just how we, how we threw away, if not one, then three points? Yeah, I mean, even, uh, even going back to, to kind of Ross County before that, the first half, I thought we were, we were quite poor. Um, again, a lot of the ball, but don't seem to be hurting teams. We're not penetrating teams. We just seem to keep the ball. And, you know, we can play some good stuff at times, but there's just nothing in terms of an attacking sense. Second half, we were brilliant. That first 20, 25 minutes, when we've got ourselves in front, we're, we're really good. You know, we look good. Um, as I said before, power kind of stepping up. Um, and then Burke again from the, the power pass. Was, was brilliant and then to lose the goal late on disappointing but you know as you said two each up at Dingwall on a Wednesday night probably most of us would have probably taken that um, so to then take that in the St Johnston game and again loads of chances um, that we'd created Kabamba going through on goal was a big one I think if he puts one away it might change it you know it might change the fortunes for him he might go on a run I don't know um, but while he's not scoring, it's still 
you know, a big problem. But then when you get to the three mistakes, and as you said, we were comfortable in the game. The the Millen one, I've a little bit of sympathy for. It was a was a poor touch to begin with. It was a it was a silly tackle, but I know that he's just trying to make up for the mistake. Because to be fair to him, he's not made many mistakes. Uh, but that poor touch, he's trying to make amends, and I don't think we've got any problem with the, the red cards. Um, the McGowan mistake, again, bit of rustiness. I don't know if he's got a shout to clear it. No idea. But it's a, a bad mistake again. Someone has got to be shouting. Someone's got to be giving them the clear instructions. They can see the game round about them. The, as soon as he made the mistake, they were all quick enough to start shouting and telling him exactly what he'd done wrong. So whether or not he got the shout in the first place to say he had a bit of time, I don't know. But it's a poor one. <laughs> the worst of the lot, though, is Finlay. Um, he's experienced enough. He doesn't need anyone to tell him. He knows what he's done. I don't know why he's over there in the first place, to be honest. Uh, Broadfoot's well in control of the situation, a couple of yards ahead of the St. Johnston forward. Uh, even at that point, Broadfoot would have probably just booted it in the touch, you know, and just take the point, you know, we'll go on to next week. Finley's run across, completely cut across Broadfoot. I said, I don't know why. And it's a daft mistake, daft pass to make, blind. Um, Rogers is caught in his heels, not expecting it. And then sucker punch right at the end, right last kick of the game. And, you know, it's one of those that you can forgive if someone makes a mistake and things like that. You know, we, we all do it. And in terms of footballers, it's going to get highlighted a lot more. But three big mistakes in the last, well, two in the last five or six minutes. Um, but three in the second half has then meant that we've gone from five points from the opening four games which, looking at the fixtures, again, we'd probably be more than happy with to suddenly it's two from four. Um, and it's looking a little bit, I wouldn't say desperate, it's still early days, but it's looking a little bit bleak when we look at the league table. No, absolutely. Talking about, talking about Alex Dyer, um, we, I was talking about this in commentary during the game. His win percentage as a, as a full-time Kelly manager um, or as caretaker and full-time is now lower than that of Lee McCulloch, Gary Locke, basically most of the managers that we've had in the last 10 years or so. And yet his jobs doesn't seem to really be under pressure at this stage. Of course, there's been, there's been the rumbling since the St. Johnson game, but it just seems to be getting a bit more leeway than perhaps those guys did. Um, I was just, I don't know what you, what you think it maybe was, whether it's because we've had this extended break, people are kind of saying, you know, we're going to judge you just from the start of this season, whereas people maybe forget that he had seven, eight, nine games before and we, we won only a couple of them. Um, and the performances weren't great in, in those sets of games either. Um, so what, what do you think? Did, how much time do you think he has to, to turn this around and get this right? Uh, so I think in terms of um, Dyer just now, we all do want him to do well. You know, we've said it before. He's a really nice guy, comes across really well. Just at the moment, it's just not working. Um, I don't know if he's still sticking to how we played um, under Steve Clark, you know, keeping the same formation and things like that. I think he's maybe thinking it's, you know, tried and trusted, so he'll just stick with it as well. I don't think we've quite got the balance right. 
and I hope, and I really, really do hope that he manages to turn it around. But if we're still sitting here six weeks, seven weeks' time, um, still with the same team, same formation, same results, um, I think questions will start being asked because Alessio was let go for a lot less. Um, or sorry, he was, in my eyes, doing a bit better in terms of league position. So if we're still in the same position six or seven weeks, I think questions will be asked. No, I think you're absolutely right. And it certainly doesn't get any easier um, for Alex Dyer with a trip to Rangers uh, <laughs> this weekend coming up. Can you see us getting anything out of this? What kind of what kind of team selection would you be going for? Would you stick? I think going to Ibrooks, you probably would stick with with the the team that we've been playing. You know, with the, with three defensive midfielders and the the one striker. Ironically, now, but this is the kind of game where you have to to play that formation, um, despite you know the the complaints of the Kelly fans in the last couple of days. That's it. I mean, I have no complaints to go there and frustrate them. You know, they were. They were quite poor on Sunday um, at Livingston, so I would expect them to bounce back from that as well. Um, they'll be right up for it. Uh, a few things said about them and their, their so-called superstar players, so um, I would expect a reaction from them. So, yeah, I, I don't expect this to change much. Um, same formation, probably the same team. It would be good to freshen up a wee bit. Um, I don't know what you think, but I think to go and set up the way we did at home at Celtic. I don't think any of us can expect anything, you know, anything more or anything different. No, absolutely not. I think I think the only change I, I would make is hopefully Rory McKenzie will be back. Uh, I've not really heard anything about how, how his fitness is coming along, but, uh, you know, he's the kind of the player that, that knows how to play at Ibrox. He knows how to play in these big games. Um, and I just don't think Mitch Pinnock has, has necessarily set out what he wanted to do in the first couple of starts. That he's had as a Kelly player, he's looked okay at times. He's had he's had flashes, but um, I just don't think he's quite up to up to full match fitness, and he's not quite up up to speed yet. Um, I think Rory McKenzie in for this would be really good. If not, then um, someone like Greg Kilty would be good to to have on that left side, um, just as a, as a bit uh, more of a forward thinking player, um, and you know someone who's experienced in these kind of occasions. Um, but I think that's that's more or less the only change that I would make. You know, as as you say, it's all about sort of setting in and then trying to hit them on the the break when we can. Um, but the facts are, you know, it's such a difficult place to go. Rangers were looking really good this season up until up until the weekend there um, when they only managed to to draw Livingston. But it is a possibility that we could, you know, go our first five games without a win. And by that point, currently, teams like Ross County, St Mirren are four or five points ahead of us. If they, you know, win again or draw at the weekend, they could be six, seven, eight points ahead of us at, at this point. I know it's very early on, but it's going to be quite a gap to try and pull back to teams that you would expect us to be in and around towards the latter end of the season, if not above. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the kind of teams that we would expect to be near the bottom, uh, obviously Hamilton haven't had a, a good start, but there's signs that likes the Motherwell and Livingston. Um, their kind of last couple of results look as if they might push on now, you know, and get themselves up the table. And then we're suddenly left with ourselves. Aberdeen are down there, <laughs> but we know that they've got a few games to catch up on. So we're then, as you say, we're then looking at the St. Irons and the Ross Counties and, you know, pinpointing these teams as teams that we need to catch. Um, and suddenly, you know, we do need to get seven or eight points more than them before, you know, between now and 
and the end of the season. I realise that we said it is early days. Um, we know a lot can a lot can happen. A lot can change. It just it's not been a good start at all, to be honest. So um, we need something to click. We need something to change, and we need it to happen pretty quickly. No, absolutely. Do you have a, a score prediction for the game? Um, I will go for a nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was exactly what I was going for. Um, I'll go for a 1-1. One, one. I think it's going to be tight either way, isn't it? Um, or we're hoping it's going to be tight either way. That's always the aim, to keep it, to keep it as, at 0-0 um, and then either try and, try and get them late on and, and try and snatch the win or, or you know, just stick out for the point. Because it's, it's, we've had some good results there in the past couple of years, but it's sort of all about trying to get home with what you can um, when you go to Highbrooks and just come away with a point. Um, and at this stage in the season, you know, the form that we are in, a point would, would do us the world of good, I think, at the minute. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. Well, that's all for episode three of the podcast. Thanks, uh, everyone, for, for listening. In. Thanks to Craig again um, for coming yes. on. Make sure you, you follow the 12th man on Twitter or go onto our website. You must be back to all the previous episodes and check out everything else that's on there as well from all the other uh, content creators from the different clubs. There's something on there for everyone and we will see you next week uh, for episode four where we'll be looking back at the Rangers result whatever it happens to be and look forward to Dundee United at home the week after thanks very much for listening